You're listening to the Crop Disease Podcast, a podcast that will keep you up to date on how to manage common crop diseases faced by Australian growers. Where would we be without fungicides to protect our crops? Well, to answer that question, we can look at regions of Australia where trafficability and access to aeroplanes has been such an issue that fungicide application hasn't been possible. But further to that, we can also look at diseases such as wheat powdery mildew, where in many grain growing regions, this disease can't be controlled by any fungicide due to fungicide resistance. Hello, it's Megan Jones from the Centre for Crop and Disease Management, and we're talking disease management in tricky situations with a focus on fungicide resistance. Soon we'll hear from grassroots agronomy and weed smart agronomist Greg Condon, who has stepped away from weeds for a moment to talk to us about disease in the New South Wales and Victorian regions. But before we hear from Greg, let me introduce my co-host and CCDM's fungicide resistance expert, Fran Lopez-Ruiz. Hello, Fran. How's it going? Hi, Megan. Very well. Yourself? Yeah, going well, thank you. You been busy? Yeah, I'm quite busy, I guess, like everybody else in the industry. Yes. Absolutely. So, Fran, what's the latest for 2022? Have there been any new cases of fungicide resistance detected in Australia by your team? Not new cases. So basically, we have expanded in our knowledge into cases that were resistant. And we've been working quite a lot uh, into trying to characterize better the resistance in wheat powdery mildew. Um, so not new cases, but we've got uh, different variations of existing cases. So I guess that that's uh, probably the novelty. Yeah, for sure. So we know growers and agronomists will contact you all the time when they have fungicide failure in the paddock. What was the biggest issue that they contacted you about in 2022? Well, the, big, the biggest issue was with powdery mildew. So we had a lot of people just calling because they were concerned about the lack of control. Um, and, and unfortunately, we've got a, a resistant genotype that is spreading very quickly throughout the, the, the Eastern States growing regions. And this combined with, uh, with a very conducive season for diseases, obviously, you know, this has been not the best situation for growers. Um, we've got this wheat powdery mildew is resistant to, to QOIs, strawberry lurins, uh, group 11. And, and it's, it's also resistant to several DMIs, uh, group 3s. So obviously, you know, treatments containing, for example, propicon, so they are not going to work as well. Treatments containing estrolurins, like for example, uh, paraclostrobin, they are not going to work very well either. Um, so again, unfortunately, this genotype has ex- spread very quickly. It's pre- predominant in regions in New South Wales, in South Australia. We have seen it in Tasmania. We're pretty sure there is, uh, well, we have detected it in Victoria, but we don't have um, a lot of information from that region yet. Uh, but we're pretty sure that it will be widespread there as well. So yeah, it's been a big issue. It's been bothering the industry, and unfortunately, um, it's gonna it's gonna be a problem uh, at least you know medium term. If that's the case, uh, what tools do growers have left to control wheat powdery mildew? Well, um, we're looking into chemical options. So I know that the industry is is looking at uh, alternatives. Uh, until an alternative is in place, so um, we we have to manage it culturally. So we have to we have to try to grow more resistant varieties if available, or we have to uh, we have to try to deploy uh, longer rotations. Uh, 
So I really encourage uh, the industry to basically link with AFREN, the, the Australian Fungi Services and Extinction Network, because there will be information. There is already information there and there will be more information in the future. Yeah, sounds good, Fran. And I'll um, include a link to AFREN on our podcast notes so that people can get there straight away. Thank you, Megan. Now, I also know that you're going to be at the Crop Protection Forum soon and you'll be giving an update on fungicide resistance. Are you looking forward to heading to Wagga Wagga? Yeah, obviously, you know, that's uh, always uh, the perfect place for us, you know, to showcase uh, the research. Now, the real the real deal for me is just to be able to talk to uh, people that got, you know, feel experience and they are managing problems, you know, first, uh, they're the first line of defense here so that I can, I can try to understand the problem a bit better and probably they can, they can get information from, from the results, valuable information from the results that we produce. Yeah, absolutely, Fran. That sounds great. And actually, I talked to someone with that field experience just recently. Um, I'd caught up with agronomist Greg Condon from Grassroots Agronomy and WeedSmart, who also be at the Crop Protection Forum. And we spoke a little bit about the event, uh, but we also spoke about disease management in New South Wales and Northern Victoria. Should we listen to the chat I had with him? Oh, that would be great, Megan. Okay, let's listen. So I'm now with Greg Condon of Grassroots Agronomy, who covers the southern and central regions of New South Wales and is also an extension agronomist for WeedSmart for the New South Wales and Northern Victoria regions. How are you going, Greg? Going well. Thanks, Megan. Yourself? Yeah, I'm going well, thank you. So how has the season gone for you and your clients? It's been wet from day one, so it sort of carried over from harvest last year. We had a very mild summer and then autumn was, was very wet as well and then it's sort of been capped off with uh, a particularly wet spring, so a combination of a really um, ongoing wet conditions, very mild temperatures, so we, we tend to focus on the moisture influence a lot, but the mild temperatures have... Uh, have favoured things like diseases and the proliferation of weeds and, and crops have struggled a bit in, in some of the waterlogged conditions. But uh, it's it's been yeah one one very memorable year for, uh, unfortunately, the, a few of the wrong reasons in, in particularly New South Wales, uh, parts of northern and, and sort of uh, the Mallee of Victoria and then even parts of southern Queensland as well. So a very, a very wet, a record-breaking wet season in many areas. And do you reckon it'll be an above-average season? Uh, from from a crop yield perspective, uh, possibly not. So a lot of areas uh, influenced by not actually being able to sow their crops, particularly in central New South Wales. So it was, yeah, where there's well-drained soil types, I think there will be some good yields around. Um, but yeah, in, in sort of low-lying areas, uh, some of those crops have struggled and suffered a little bit from waterlogging. So it's a real uh, contrast between soil type. Yeah, highs, highs and lows across a lot of different regions. Yeah, and you mentioned disease before. What were the main disease issues faced by growers this season? Good question, Megan. Uh, <laughs> and I must, from the outset, commend the uh, pathology teams from, especially New South Wales DPI. They've just done an amazing job, not only engaging with us in the paddock and, and helping growers come up with solutions, but just uh, helping trying to think outside the box in terms of practical options as I guess some of the genetic bases that we rely on have come under intense pressure. So, uh, really need to acknowledge them and without their support we can't do what we do in the field. So I'll start with the different crop types. Wheat, uh, as I said, that, that wet summer, uh, mild conditions, we had a really strong green bridge carry across. So that uh, dictated terms from day one with stripe rust. 
Uh, some growers were limited after last year's wet harvest with their variety choice uh, in that they just basically had to choose due to sort of downgraded seed quality, had to choose varieties that were available, not preferred. So they've ended up probably going with uh, a higher proportion of susceptible varieties, particularly with the striped rust. And then the the other one has been the, um, as the pathotops have changed and varieties that are fairly new into the system have broken down, what the strategy's been to uh, to manage those uh, those varieties with, with striped rust. So that's been a big focus of the industry. We've got it right in some cases and haven't got it right in others. Uh, so yeah, striped rust is, is the major one. And probably the other one in wheat, which has been one of our more major crops, is septoria triticide. So it's uh, not something we worry about in our sort of medium, lower rainfall regions. We do take a focus in high rainfall areas, but the long, cool spring and ongoing wet canopy has just been a bonanza for septoria. So yeah, barley, it's, it hasn't done too bad, but uh, it did suffer from um, some ramulara, which is a, a rare disease of high rainfall zones that we don't see very often. Uh, into canola, particularly around sclerotinia and upper canopy blackleg. There are cases where both of those diseases are prevalent, but on the whole, the majority of growers that were able to get in and you know, fungicides applied on time, they've generally done a good job. So, um, And then we step across into the pulses, and that's um, that, that's probably where there's been a lot more activity um, with, with diseases given the cool, cool spring. So um, chocolate spot in favour beans has sort of um, shown up a lot more this year than, than normally. But yeah, wheat, wheat and, and favour beans have probably been two um, crops we've really been challenged with the disease uh, management in and, and largely um, I sorted most of it out through the year, just a few uh, few anomalies, unfortunately. Okay, so you did mention a little bit about fun- fungicides earlier. Can you tell me more about fungicide management this year? Have there been any problems with control? Yeah, definitely. Probably around timing, Megan, it's probably been the biggest issue. So We've uh, had a, a strategy put together to say, if you look at wheat, we, we know what the uh, the resistance or the susceptibility rating of a particular variety might be. The season was unfolding as a high pressure year. So um, I, I guess there's a programmed approach in, in varieties that are susceptible. Uh, so they, um, you know, they might start with a low cost fungicide, move into a, a, a moderate cost fungicide. And as the season, particularly medium to high rainfall areas, invest in a, in a premium product towards the end. Where it did get tricky from a fungicide perspective was with uh, known resistant varieties. So uh, particularly with wheat that might have good, um, I guess, stripe rust background genetics, uh, it's come under a lot of pressure this year. So that was creating, I guess, uncertainty about when to apply those fungicides in, in a resistant variety and if we would have to. So the Lancer wheat is a classic example of one of the highest standard stripe rust resistant varieties we grow on the east coast and it, it came under pressure as well so um, it's it's with growers sitting down and going through that process was was quite tricky whereas a susceptible variety we, we just committed uh, and the fungicide sort of went out as as need be as I said ramping up as the season potential sort of came forward with um, probably higher investment with the later applications in some premium products like strobulurins um, as, as to sort of back up the triazoles. Greg, did you come across any problems with wheat powdery mildew this year? Yeah, it is. So as you go further west, it's, it's quite common on, on the lighter soil types and into Victoria uh, in the Mallee. Um, powdery mildew is basically sort of uncontrollable with fungicides uh, and, and poor varietal resistance. So that's something the industry's uh, big focus around looking at newer genetics to come in and take the pressure off some of that um, poor fungicide performance. So 
it's a season like 2022 puts into um into perspective the, the importance of varietal resistance um it's just when some of the um the more challenging uh weather conditions come forth how how that's that's dealt with so we just can't can't keep relying on i guess premium fungicides to deal with some of these um i guess outbreaks particularly like powdery mildew or septoria but uh varietal resistance needs to sort of be hand in hand with the, with the whole process yeah absolutely so in terms of disease management, would there have been anything you would have done differently or recommended to do differently this season? Yeah, we're always <laughs> gurus in hindsight, that's for sure. So yeah, definitely there would be a few things we've done, would have done differently, possibly around some of those resistant wheat varieties in particular. So they, uh, um, yeah, there's level of susceptibility, the loss of green leaf we saw in varieties that normally are just rock solid. They just couldn't stay clean in a year like this with so much pressure. So, yeah, definitely we probably would have been more aggressive uh, and, and gone a lot earlier. By the time we sort of woke up to it, was, it was just a little bit too late on varieties that generally have, say, good adult plant resistance. The other learning was in some of the pulse crops. So there's been some um, yeah, new new fungicides come through. Marava Star is a good example. So it was, um, I guess, a premium product with a much higher cost. But compared to some of the alternative products um, being used repeatedly, it uh, and it's not something I think we'll have to use all the time. But in these high pressure seasons, it really took the pressure off our uh, our longevity of protection. So we could actually get, you know, for every hundred mils of application, we, we were getting a week. So uh, at five hundred to seven hundred mils, that was five to seven weeks of protection. So that's that's pretty new compared to some of the older chemistry. And, uh, and supported by the, the, the pulse pathologists, particularly here in New South Wales and Victoria, where there's um, a greater uh, intensity of, of pulses sown. So that was, that was a learning. And yeah, I guess where we did it, we were very successful, where we, we didn't have access to the product or couldn't get uh, onto, the, onto the paddock because of trafficability issues or aeroplane issues, um, that the crops have suffered. So Yeah, for sure. And now one last question for you. Um, At the Crop Protection Forum, I know you'll be there and you'll have a role of facilitating some of the sessions. What are you hoping to get out of the day? I think it'll be a great day, Megan, to come back to the Crop Protection Forum in Wagga. Uh, We've got some world-class speakers coming to the event, uh, which is uh, pretty exciting to have them on our doorstep. And the ability to be in a little bit more informal. So there'll be a few panel sessions, more open discussion and particularly around pathology. So it's uh, probably been our highest priority this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was some, some insect pressure early and there was, uh, you know, the weeds are, are always constant, but pathology is a pretty hot topic at present. So I, I think having some of those experts there in the room from the East Coast and, and from the West as well will um, yeah, create a, a really good uh, conduit for sharing some of their latest research, but also how do we um, how do we learn from a year like this? So they're not very common, but we still need to um, yeah, put it in the memory bank and, and take away some of the lessons and, and sort of indicate what variety or, or fungicide programs or resistance or susceptibility sort of ratings we, we, we put given what season has uh, dished up for us this year. Yeah, sounds great, Greg. Thank you so much for talking with me today and hopefully the forum goes well next week and hopefully we can talk to you again soon. Thanks for the opportunity. Really, uh, it's good to hear about what uh, is happening in our part of the world and, and what the forum is going to bring to the region. So uh, thanks uh, thanks for the chat. Yeah, should be good. All right, thanks. Bye. So what did you think about that, Fran? Disease management has been such a big challenge for Greg's region, hasn't it? And getting the right product on at the right time is just so important when disease pressure is high, hey? 
Yeah, so um, uh, managing resistance in terms of um, when do you spray your compounds is, is basically paramount. I think that probably, you know, if, if growers could imagine a situation where you had the perfect conditions for disease development, right, and you still use best compound available, you will still probably see a lot of disease developing in your paddock. And this is just just because, you know, the compound is, is, is not a suitable bullet. It's not a magical formulation that is just going to make the disease go away. So with a paddock where the disease level is very high and conditions are very conducive, so the spray of a compound, um, it might bring some level of control, but it will not provide, you know, absolute control. That's for certain. Yeah, for sure. And Greg also talked about Septoria triticide blotch in wheat, as well as chocolate spot and fava beans being a lot more trouble than usual. What's the latest with fungicide resistance with these two diseases? Well, for septoratricide, we don't have uh, a lot of inf- new information. So um, the last information that was produced, I think that is back from uh, 2017. Uh, from from then, there was a sporadic um, uh, isolation of resistant strains that were not different from what I was what it was reported back in 2017. Um, but based on that information, we know that there is widespread reduced sensitivity. Uh, to DMI fungicides. Now, something new that was that that has been found um, recently is resistance to QOI fungicides, so Struylurins or Group Eleven. Uh, this resistance was found in in South Australia. Uh, it is in a very localized region, so um, it hasn't spread. We've been monitoring um, this problem quite quite closely. Uh, which is actually quite good news because obviously, you know, once this, this resistance develops, it, it, it spreads very quickly, uh, within the pathogen population. Um, so the last thing we want to see, obviously, is a combination of, uh, population that contains, you know, both DMI and QI resistance at the same time in this pathogen. Now with that chocolate spot, uh, this has been an interesting one because, uh, we have plenty of reports of lack of control. So we, we have received plenty, many samples in the lab. The samples were heavily infected. And um, interestingly enough, we haven't been able to isolate any resistant pathogens from, from those samples, which probably means that um, this increased level of disease is probably linked to these more conducive conditions that we are experiencing this season. So this resistance is not happening right now. But it's probably something that, or at least we don't have information that, that, that confirms that. But it's probably something that is going to happen naturally, given the amount of disease that we've been putting under selection pressure this season. So, finger crossed, but maybe something that, you know, we get to see next season. Yeah, fingers crossed, all right. Well, we better wrap up this podcast now. Thanks so much for talking with me today on fungicide resistance. And while it may seem like you've always got bad news, Fran, uh, we're lucky to have you keeping tabs on fungicide resistance in Australia. Hey, don't don't kill the messenger, huh? Um, <laughs> yeah. So no, uh, it was fantastic talking to you, Megan. Uh, very always, you know, always very happy to to talk about fungicide resistance. And unfortunately, you know, yeah, um, I bring bad news, but I think that those bad news are linked to good management advice. So yeah, absolutely. We'll see you next time. Yep, sounds good. Thanks so much, Fran. 
So if you have a crop disease topic that you'd like us to cover, then let us know. You can follow us and let us know on Twitter at the CCDM. Also, if you're interested in knowing more about the Crop Protection Forum in Wagga Wagga, check out the episode notes for a link to the program and ticketing information. Well, that's all for now. You'll hear from us next week for more crop disease discussions. See you then. This podcast is brought to you by the Centre for Crop and Disease Management, a national centre co-supported by Curtin University and the Brains Research and Development Corporation. 